this isn't brain surgery with Doc Snipes. This podcast was created to provide you the information and tools Doc Snipes gives her clients so that you too can start living happier. Our website, DocSnipes.com, has even more resources, videos, and handouts, and even interactive sessions with Doc Snipes to help you apply what you learn. Go to DocSnipes.com to learn more. Welcome back to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery, Practical Tools to Improve Your Mood and Quality of Life. We're going to continue our discussion of dialectical behavior therapy skills. Today, we're talking about interpersonal effectiveness. In the last section, we talked about what interpersonal effectiveness is and some of the things that might get in the way of being effective at stating what your needs are, getting your needs met, and feeling like you're loved and respected. In this section, we're going to move on to identifying ways to address those barriers. The first concept is called Dear Man, and it's obviously an acronym. Dear starts with D. Describe in specific objective terms what you need. And this is the first mistake that we make a lot of times. How many times have you asked somebody to do something or accused somebody of being some way that was generally a pejorative, not objective, subjective term, such as lazy or sloppy or dirty? What dirty is to one person might be just fine to another. So you want to practice describing things to other people, what you need or what you want, in objective terms. So if you want a clean house, and this is one that a lot of couples, families have difficulty with, what does that mean to each person specifically? What is it going to look like if the house is clean? For me, when, for example, the kitchen is clean, There is nothing on the flat surfaces except for what's supposed to be there, and I try to keep that pretty minimal. So a clean kitchen means the dishes are done and put away, and everything else that's not supposed to be on the counter is gone. The counters are wiped down. The stainless steel doesn't have spots on it. See, those are all very objective things. You can say yes or no, that is or isn't done. Being supportive is another concept that a lot of people have difficulty with in relationships, but they all also have difficulty with it with themselves because they're not sure they want people to be supportive of them, but they're not sure exactly what that means or what that looks like. So the first thing you need to do is figure out what does it look like if somebody is supportive of you? Does that mean they have to agree with you all the time? I hope not because sometimes you're not going to be thinking the right thing and they may be supportive, but put forth a different point of view. Being dressed appropriately. If you have teenagers at home or children, uh, you kind of know that this can go any variety of ways. When you tell your child to dress appropriately to go to church or to go out to dinner or to go to grandma's house, you have in your mind what that means. Your child has in their mind something completely different most of the time. So being specific, you need to wear long pants, a button-down shirt, something with the collar, etc., Underwear, that's always a good thing. I don't know why we have to remind people, children, to put on underwear, but I digress. Dressed appropriately is another one of those things that is kind of ambiguous. And irritable. Irritable is another term that, you know, Sally came into the office and was really irritable today. And John may say, you know what, I didn't notice at all. Because your definitions of irritable are very different. So does it mean that Sally was kind of walking hunched over and she dropped her stuff in her office and, you know, sat down and started doing her work without saying anything to anybody? 
versus biting somebody's head off or whatever John's definition of irritable is. So you may have different definitions of what that means, but that also, also means different interpretations of what's going on. So when you communicate, describe what you're seeing or what you're needing or what you're wanting in terms where somebody can give you a simple yes or no. Yes, that was done or no, it wasn't based on what they see. And anybody should be able to come in off the street and look at your definition and go, yes, it was done or no, it wasn't. It shouldn't be one of those, well, you know what I mean. No, don't expect people know what you mean. So think in your personal life, whether it's at work or with people you live with or whatever the case may be, what terms do you often have disagreements about that cause, you know, a little bit of stress or irritability? Um, and figure out, am I describing in specific objective terms exactly what I need as far as com regular communication or being supportive or quality time? Oh, that's another big one. Uh, what does quality time look like? Think about those and be able to articulate what that definition is so anybody from off the street can look at what's going on and go, yes or no. E stands for express feelings and opinions using I statements. Too often, we talk about what you did to me. You made me feel bad. You did this. You were late. When you use I statements, it avoids putting the other person on the defensive right away. And you notice, if you're watching the video, when I say you, I'm pointing. And when I say defensive, I'm putting my hands up and pushing away. Because those types of words create distance between you and other people. So when you're thinking about something, try to state it in terms of, I statements and this is hard at first um, when we do it in therapy sessions I'll have somebody start out expressing what their needs were or what the perception was of a situation using the I statements and every time they switch over to the you because that's our natural kind of what our society has taught us we stop and we back up <clears throat> so practice even by yourself you don't have to be with somebody else writing down a story thinking about a situation, and describe that situation, noticing and correcting yourself each time you don't use an I statement to express feelings and opinions. Uh, and it can be something like with work. Um, my boss that I used to work with loved the man to pieces, worked for him for 14 years, taught me most of everything I know about running programs and all that kind of stuff. And he always challenged me to stretch a little bit. But there would be times where he would give me more than I felt I could handle. Um, and I would have to go in there and talk to him and talk about, not you are giving me too much to do. You need to figure out what I need to do. You need to set the priorities. But I am feeling overwhelmed. In order for me to get this done effectively, I need yada, yada, yada. It goes a whole lot better when you state your own opinions using I terms. The A in DEAR stands for assert, which means ask for what you want and please don't expect mind reading unless you are omniscient and you can read everybody's mind. You shouldn't expect other people to be able to read your mind. And even if you can read everybody's mind, you should know that nobody else can do that. So we can't expect mind reading. You need to ask for what you want assertively and be willing to take no for an answer because not 
everything you ask for, you're going to get. But be assertive. We're going to talk a lot more about assertiveness later. The R stands for reinforce by explaining the benefits to the other person ahead of time. Create a win-win situation. Remember that when people do things, they have a choice between not doing something and doing something, or doing A or doing B, however you want to look at it. People will choose the most rewarding option. So when you're presenting a choice to someone, even if it's a choice to say yes or no, you want to make saying yes the more rewarding option and think about why is this more rewarding and present it to them in a way that's meaningful to them. One way you can kind of state it is if I get you to do this, the benefit to you will be. So if I get you to call if you're going to be late, then when you get home, I won't be as upset and irritable with you. That's a real common issue that comes up. But if I am able to get some help working on this project, then I will be able to get it in in time to meet the deadline for the meeting that you have with senior management. Presenting things in, in a way that motivates the other person because if they give you what you want, then they get what they want. So think about times in your past, and I always, well, not always, a lot of times use the number three. I don't know why. It's my favorite number. Think about three occasions when you wanted someone to do something for you, and they said no. Thinking back over it, how could you have made it a win-win situation? Sometimes people don't want to do what you want them to do. When I was working in outpatient, one of the things people had to do was go to meetings. And a lot of times I would get a lot of resistance. I am not going to meetings. Okay. Then I would drop back and I would think to myself, What's a win-win? What is it that they want out of this situation? And most of the time with the particular population I was working with, they wanted to get out of treatment, be off probation, and be done with me. So to create a win-win, my presentation changed to, in order to help you get off papers and be done with having to see my face every day, I need you to follow these particular steps that the treatment center or the probation has identified as important to demonstrating that you're able to be clean and sober or whatever. If they did that, they would successfully complete treatment and they would be done with me. That was their goal. That was their win. My win was getting them to follow the program rules. Whenever you don't have something go your way, if you can unhook from your emotions and step back from it, again, think about what would have made it more rewarding or more enticing to that other person? What was their goal in this situation? And how could I have stated the request differently to get both of our needs met? Man, because remember, it's dear man. M stands for mindfulness. Stay focused on your goal. Some of us, I, I am very guilty of being somewhat ADHD, so I can get a little tangential sometimes unless I stay really focused on what I'm talking about. So stay focused on your goal. If you need something, that's what we're talking about, not what we're going to do as a group this weekend or what's for lunch or try not to get sidetracked. Ignore diversion techniques from the other person, such as blaming, magnification, justification, or switching topics. These are all things that people throw up when they feel like they're either being attacked or when they feel like they're not going to get their own way. 
we don't always get our own way. But be aware that these come up as, if you want to call, use the word resistance, you can use the word resistance. Um, basically, these behaviors say, it sounds like I'm getting ready to not get my needs met, and I don't like it very much. So practice identifying and responding to blaming. So thinking about if somebody says, um, it's your fault that I drank last night. So we want to ask, you know, what is it that you need out of this particular situation? Um, magnification. When somebody says um, that you always do this, highlight exceptions. Point out that I, I hear that it seems like I frequently am getting on you because your chores aren't done. However, you know, there were a couple times last week you did a really good job. So I'm wondering what happened and why you've started to slack off. Justification. Justifying that they had to do something in order to survive or justifying that they had to do something um, because it was more important. So you want to highlight the consequences. If somebody's justifying drinking, for example, I needed to drink in order to fit in with this group because I really need this contract. Highlighting the consequences of, I hear that you really need this con contract, however, drinking jeopardizes your sobriety, and it also is really hard on your kidneys and liver, and I'm wondering if all that is worth this contract. Staying, you know, keeping focused on what's going on. And switching topics. If you're in the middle of a discussion and somebody just completely switches topics to, well, you did this last week. Okay, I hear that, and I hear that it's still bothering you. So let's talk about that in a few minutes. Right now, we need to finish up this particular discussion. So figure out. Think about times when you have been around somebody or been in a discussion with somebody when they tried to change the topic or get the power back in the conversation by blaming, magnifying, justifying, or switching topics. And think about your responses. How could you have diffused it and gotten back to the topic at hand? A stands for appear confident in verbal and nonverbal behavior. So the first part that people have difficulty with, the first hiccup, is the fact that some people have difficulty differentiating between confidence and aggressiveness. And especially, you know, not to sound sexist, but in our society still sometimes, Women who are more confident tend to be perceived as being more aggressive than just confident. So figuring out what the difference between confidence and aggressiveness is in your mind and what you want that to look like. If you want to look confident but not aggressive, what is that going to look like when you interact with your boss, when you interact with the person on the street, when you interact with the manager at the store that you're having a difficulty with? Mentally rehearse what these situations look like. So if you've got to go have a meeting with your boss or have a discussion with somebody you're in a relationship with, mentally rehearse what that's going to look like and how you're going to appear confident so you don't send out the aura that you can just be walked over. Find one or two people that you know or you see on TV. It can even be TV characters. They don't have to be real people that are confident. Look at how they behave. Look at how they carry themselves. Listen to what they say. Study their behaviors and figure out how they are confident.
and then imagine them handling whatever situation you are getting ready to handle this will help guide your behaviors and teach you how to be more confident and more assertive baby steps you're not going to go from being passive to super assertive overnight take steps figure out what kinds of situations are most important for you to be assertive in and what's that going to look like and finally negotiate offer and ask for solutions write it down if needed I am a visual learner not everybody is but I find when I am negotiating something it's helpful to write down all the options I love whiteboards because they're like up on the wall and everybody can see them and you can write in big letters but write down what the options are and give people time for reflection some people are what we call active learners and they process and talk all at the same time other people are what we call reflective learners and they hear everything that's being said and they take it in and they take it in and then they synthesize it and come up with a light bulb moment not everybody works in the same way when I used to take math whether it was high school or college or graduate school I'm a reflective learner I have to have time to let everything sink in and understand all the connections before I have that light bulb moment so I would get really frustrated when the teacher would be doing something on the board and you know step a we do this that and the other thing and then of course the next step is step B and I'm like yeah of course um, <laughs> I'm just watching him scribble on the board and it means nothing because it hasn't sunk in yet I'm a little dense but um, when it comes to certain things we need a little bit more time to ref for reflection to think about what are all the ways this goes together my boss that I told you about before he was a reflective person he would never give you an answer fly by the seat of his pants so if you wanted something I met with him on Thursdays and I knew I had to present whatever I wanted or needed on Thursday and I would get an answer on Monday because he'd want the whole weekend to think about it and think about how all the aspects work together and how it would impact everything else before he would respond you don't always have that kind of luxury for time but when you are in a discussion in a negotiation try to give people you know 30 seconds or a minute to ponder before you're jumping down your throat and going well what's your response sometimes they need time compromise is another part of negotiating how can both of you get the majority of your needs met neither one of you may get all of your needs met but how can you create the best scenario for both of you if you don't think you can compromise you may have to say no but offer alternatives so for example right now it's kitten season and I am really busy with work and I love having kittens but I just cannot handle bottle babies right now because they have to be fed every three hours around the clock and I ain't got that kind of energy anymore so I can't take a singleton or a litter of bottle babies um, but I can take kittens with mamas or adult cats so when approached by the rescues that I work with to take in rescues this is my presentation or, my, or what I tell them back I can take these types of situations over here but I cannot handle the bottle babies right now and it breaks my heart but I know that the rescues that I work with ultimately those kittens are going to get placed somewhere so I can take 
you know, other people's adult cats and stuff if they need to clear out room for the kittens. I'll try to be a team player, but I can't always do everything they want me to do. So in your life, think about three situations when you said no or you wanted to say no in the past and you didn't offer alternatives. You just said no. What alternatives could you have proposed? Sometimes maybe somebody asked you to help them move and it was a really bad weekend. You already had your kid's soccer game on Saturday and something else planned for Saturday afternoon and Sunday was booked. So you said no. Could you have proposed the alternative? Well, I can't do it this weekend, but next weekend, Saturday afternoon is free and I can help you for a few hours. That's a nice compromise, giving something back and, and the give and take in the relationship, showing that you're willing to be helpful. However, there are certain other priorities that you've already committed to. And as I said earlier in, in this first segment, it's important to be clear on what you want and need. If you want to get what you want, you got to know what it is first. If you want to be successful, well, that's wonderful. But what does successful mean to you? Otherwise, you're just going to keep reaching for things and you're never going to be able to say, I've hit the bell. I've reached my goal of being successful because you don't know what it is. You don't know how to define it. So know what exactly you want. And if you're asking other people for help, know how the other person can provide this. I need this and you can help me buy. So examples, again, that I've come across. If somebody wants to feel better, I'll have clients come into my office and they go, you know, Doc, I, I just really, I've been down for so long. I just want to feel better. And that's wonderful. But I don't know what that means. Does that mean not being tired all the time? Does that mean not being anxious? Does that mean not getting angry whenever somebody does something and throwing things across the room? What does feeling better look like to you? So we know that when you feel better, we can say, aha, you've reached this goal. If you want somebody to fix it, well, what does that mean? If something's broken, I mean, obviously, if it's a toaster, we know that when the toaster starts to work, it's fixed. But if it's something more subjective, like your life or a particular situation with somebody else, um, what fix it looks like may be a little bit more subjective. So you need to know what you want it to look like when it's fixed. If you're in a relationship and you want to know that the person will never leave, well, that's easier said than done. So you know exactly what you want in this particular situation. How can the other person provide comfort or reassurance that you're probably not going to ever leave? Because most of the time, I don't know of any situation where you can say on 100% certainty that you are never, ever going to leave. You're not going to die first. You're not going to move. You're not going to end the relationship. Just plan out 50 years in advance. But when you're together, how can you create a situation where both of you feel comfortable and assured that the relationship is going to last? When you're getting clarity, getting what you want is only part of the puzzle, though. There are things that you may want to get at, the at what cost. So how important is keeping a relationship to you? So if getting what you want means damaging a relationship, how important is that? So you got to weigh which one is more important. And then we're going to add a third one in here because, you know, you have two hands and one foot so you can balance on the other. Maintaining your self-respect. 
If you get what you want and you keep the relationship, do you also keep your self-respect? Which one or ones do you need in this? And is there a way to resolve the situation in which you keep all three? So dear man stands for describe in objective terms. So anybody off the street can come in and say yes or no or I understand what you're talking about. Express what you need. Got to get it out there. Be assertive, not confrontational. Just state what you need in confident terms. Create a situation that's reinforcing by developing a win-win. Be mindful when you're having the discussion so you're aware of how you're affecting the other person, how they're impacting you, and you're staying on the present topic. You're not getting sidetracked. You're not getting derailed by minimizing, justifying, rationalizing, all that other stuff. Appear confident. If you don't appear confident, people are not going to take you as seriously because they're just going to be like, well, she's only halfway asking for it, so whatever. And negotiate. Most of the time, you're not going to get what you want 100%, 100% of the time. So figure out how can you negotiate? How can you create a win-win where most of your needs get met and most of the other person's needs get met in a way that's fair to both of you to effectively accomplish these things you must have clarity about what you want and how getting or not getting it will impact your self-respect and your relationships